Welcome to the Technology Trailblazers podcast, where we explore new ways to unlock business potential with unprecedented technological innovation. Hi there, I'm your host, Derek Little, and this is the podcast for companies of all sizes wanting to digitally transform their business with the latest technology. In this interview, I was honored to speak with artificial intelligence expert, Rudradeb Mitra. He says that while AI is great, it could easily be done wrong. Richard Deb believes it's important to include a diverse group of people when creating technology. Otherwise, you're at risk of building bias into your system and making matters worse. He shared a story about how Amazon tried using AI and machine learning to recruit job candidates. Their system failed because it mistakenly determined that every male software developer is more likely to be better than a woman. Not because every man is better, but because there was a shortage of resumes from women. Rujadeb has created an AI development platform he calls Omdena. It empowers diverse groups of people from all over the world to access opportunities, solve environmental and social problems, and collaborate instead of competing. In this interview, he introduces his platform and explains why diversity is critically important for eliminating bias in technology. Here's what he had to say. There's so many people I met, super talented, super uh, smart. So I thought, okay, these people are, you know, can I create something that provides equal opportunities to people from all over the world? So they have access to the knowledge, but they don't have access to opportunities. So that was the first motivation. The second motivation was building something which basically uses AI for social good. And we hear a lot about AI for, you know, the cars. And whenever we think about AI, we're thinking about autonomous cars. We're thinking about robots. We're thinking about taking away our jobs and automation. But there is this huge value of AI for social value that is going to solve a lot of social problems and, you know, help the the people at at the bottom of the pyramid. But that's not where a lot of AI is being used or not being at least spoken about. And my second motivation was to build something that uses AI primarily or only for solving social and environmental problems. And my third motivation was um, collaboration versus competition. Now, when we live in a world which is all driven by competition, right? So we are always thinking about we want to be the best in, you know, in the school. We want to be best startup. We want to raise the most money. We want to be on the top. And, and I personally never really connected to that kind of thinking process, right? I, I think that we are way better if we start collaborating. If people come together, collaborate, share their knowledge with each other, learn from each other, and collectively solve a problem, that's way more powerful than a small group of people uh, solving that problem. And, and that's the, the third motivation. And actually, in, and specifically in AI, that makes a lot of sense because when you gather a diverse group of people from all over the world, that also makes it more ethical because you know you are taking into account the biases and, and diversity, which kind of makes sure that uh, you know different angles and the point of view are taken into account. Anyway, so these are the three things that basically is what made Omdena. So Omdena is, is a platform where people from all over the world, currently 88 countries, uh, have been collaborating uh, to solve environmental and social challenges. Um, uh, while collaborating with each other. Uh, On your website, you say it's time to do artificial intelligence the right way. Mm -hmm. Can you give me an idea of 
say the right way versus the wrong way? Absolutely. Um, so let me give you one story. Of, of perhaps you have heard about it. In Amazon, had built uh, an AI model for recruitment, right? So, and in specifically in the software industry, and these were bunch of I think I presume ingenious, mostly male, male if not all, built that that solution. And what that solution had, and it was biased, and it was actually sexist because that model was using the existing data that in the real world is, we have biases, right? So often the software engineering world is driven by a lot of male engineers. So definitely the data that they were using was biased data. And so the machine ended up also being biased, basically sexist, that it was only hiring male engineers. <laughs> now, why did that happen? It be happened because that there were not enough female in that group to tell them, the engineers that, look, the data is biased. We have to de-bias the data before we actually go and build the model. Now, that would have been possible if there were enough female engineers who have actually faced the problem of the bias in the hiring process in the real world. They would have been then identified the bias in the data also, and then the, the solution would have been built without the bias and not being sexist. That didn't happen, even in one of the best companies in the world. Now, the right way, what I argue is, where the solution is being built by a diverse group of people. Diverse doesn't mean you have to look different. Diverse doesn't mean you, know, you, you are like put one black and one white or one brown. No, diverse means diverse of opinions. Di diversity comes from that they, if they are from different parts of the world, different backgrounds, they have this diversity. So the right way of building is build solutions, specifically AI solutions, from a diverse group of people who often face the problem that they're solving. Because when you bring people who face the problem that they're solving, they have intrinsic motivation and they're much more connected to building the solution. And they will be much more able to identify the biases in the data. So I say that a group of engineers sitting in Stanford is no more going to build a solution, it makes no sense to build a solution for people in Africa if they are not even connected, they don't even understand what they're building for and who are the ones using the solution. So that's the way, the right way of saying, involve the people who face the problem and bring a diverse group of people. So it sounds like these people who are biased, they don't really know they're biased. They're just, just doing what they would naturally do. We all but are biased. I'm biased. You are biased. We all are biased. It's just that we don't know the bias unless someone else tells, oh, there is this bias in you. And that comes from that diversity. So that's why it's so important to have diversity so that we all don't live in our bubbles and build things that, you know, only we will use. So, so absolutely. So it sounds like there's a number of problems with the way most companies approach a, a software project. There's a lack of diversity. Then there's a lack of motivation, a lack of dialogue and they have limited ability to find the best solution. Maybe the software, it may not be that big a deal. It is to some extent the user interface and things, but it's not such a big deal as in AI because in AI, the whole model is based on the data that we are training that with. So the biases that, and where the data comes from, the data comes from the real world. And so the biases that exist in the real world will be added up in the machines unless we go through this phase of de-biasing the data. And, and that's why it's even more important to build AI solutions with diverse group of people than just a software solution. Software doesn't have this kind of 
aspect of you know trained with data and in terms of fast i think what we have also seen that actually when you bring a bigger group and you structure it properly that's also faster because uh, it's kind of you know each of the team can work in parallel and try different things so it ends up being efficient but that doesn't have to be that's just what omdena has ended up creating a process that we think is faster just because we can kind of efficiently group together this this group that we bring but it's for example given i was just speaking about this to someone and i said it's like do we think if we get 40 people to write one article will that be efficient or is will that be good most people will say no because you know it's like it should be jumbled of some like words uh, which may not make any story or any coherent story but what i say is that what omdena is doing is not just about making one story from 240 people is trying to create 10 stories from 40 people so each story is being let's say created by 3 to 4 people now that is efficient because you can create 10 stories and then you can pick let's say the best model or the best story and the best story is defined by how accurate a given model is let's say so so that's why it's also fast so it sounds like the main benefit of your approach is just being able to find the best solution i, I would agree argue exactly yes Do you want to tell me a bit about how your your system works? The way it works is that first of all for every challenge we call them challenge because it's an 8 weeks project which um, with a limited effect a scope well defined not very well defined but kind of defined by an organization and then the first is we select around 40 to 50 people now this selection is often done based on we get around 400 applicants and then we we have a internal process of selecting these 40 50 people which is based on various factors not just their skill set but we look at into their intrinsic motivation we look at their ability to initiation uh the time that they would like to provide give so there are different factors that we take into account before we select these 40 50 people and when we select these 40 50 people the key to this group is this absolutely intrinsic motivation that they're all driven to to do something interesting provide build something so uh, uh, interesting solution of problems that they often face themselves right so like i remember when we were working with ptsd there were at least 10 people in that group of 40 50 people or at least 5 people 5 to 10 people who have suffered somehow ptsd themselves or they have experienced that from someone else so that brings that motivation quite strongly and then once we group, group these people we just throw them the problem say hey look this is a problem solve it now we don't really manage them because once you pick the right people there's no point managing them you know no point telling them what to do then they kind of break down the problem into multiple sub problems so, so everyone in that community can propose that i want to solve this this way no one is going to tell them no you cannot so everyone feels empowered to take the initiative initiative and so anyone can propose hey, i want to solve this way someone else can say i want to solve this way fine and both is valid and others some of them choose okay i want to work with this first guy and kind of work with him and others will say oh, i want to work with the second guy and let's work with him the key is that everyone is part of at least one of those task so that each individual task have been created and and then just start working in parallel right so that's why it's so fast and every week each of the task groups come and present the work to each other um and so everyone is learning so even if i'm part of say a task 1 and i'm kind of focused at that given task when i come to that meeting i can listen to what others are doing so i can also learn from others 
uh, what they are doing. So, so at the end, I'm also building something and learning from others. And at the end of eight weeks, you know, they, then they kind of keep on checking which is the best, let's say, model among all of them. And, and then it ends up being the, the best model and they deliver the work to the, to the organization. So we have cases that people have written about us and you know, you can uh, read a lot that people write a lot that, for example, this kind of environment helps them to get over their imposter syndrome because here no one is telling them you cannot do this, you cannot do that, they can you know, feel empowered. People have written down that how it helped them, you know, kind of get back confidence in, in themselves. So they have, and how much they have learned. And one girl wrote that she has learned more in these two months than in the last few years collectively. You know, there's some really interesting research that people learn best when they're motivated. It just engages their whole mind. So there's actually science behind your process. Yeah. And not only motivated, but also at the same time learning from each other. I mean, there's a great TED talk. Uh, by a guy called Sugata Mitra. And he says that he has done experiments that the best schools, he said, is not where there is a teacher. So the best schools is let the students give them access to internet and let them learn from each other. Let them talk, let them encourage, just, just to encourage them, motivate them and let them learn themselves. So that's the same thing what Omdena has been creating while at the same time delivering results to, to the organizations. So besides PTSD, what are some of the other more interesting applications uh, or types of projects that your, your teams have worked on? We worked in Brazil to detect forest fire. So this is a company that is trying to detect forest fire uh, and they have cameras installed and they say, hey, can we build something solution that will detect forest fire? We worked, let's say, in the US uh, with an um, NGO actually that um, is trying to prevent gang violence. And what we did is we try to analyze uh, tweets in Twitter that how gangs are are acting in Twitter and and they often don't use uh, English. They are using their own sign language, the languages and also some signs. So we had to decipher that, um, build a let's say a natural language understanding of that. And then what we saw that gangs are often uh, using violence, online violence, and threatening each other before actual gang violence happens. And there is a gap of two days. So normally, you know, they are trying to threat each other and then in two days there is a gang violence. So you can actually predict gang violence based on observing Twitter and how they are behaving in Twitter. We have worked with a startup based in Israel, which is trying to prevent malaria outbreaks in Ghana. And they're trying to identify water bodies, right? So there are a lot of water bodies and the what a type of water body. So through satellite images, we are trying to identify with water bodies. And based on that, then they can take precautionary actions to win uh, malaria outbreaks. Let me take another example. Let's say we talk about um, in India, we worked, uh, we, you know, we worked in many things, but one of the things we looked at during COVID, right? So COVID has a, a huge effect on uh, increasing domestic violence, which has not been really many people have been talking about. And what we saw that uh, in, across the globe, we, we did, not only in India, we also checked in France and everywhere across the globe, the moment there was an decrease in mobility, uh, means people were locked down, there was a huge spike in domestic violence cases, like three times, uh, four times sometimes, you know, a huge spike. And, and so that was an interesting thing because I think uh, we, we tried to work on uh, policymakers, you know, help them make better policy decisions, right? You know, this, if they, many policymakers, if they had known that, you know, the, a lockdown would increase 
mental breakdown, increase domestic violence, increase joblessness. So what action they would have taken, you know, maybe they would have taken a different action. Uh, we worked with World Resource Institute in India also to understand what causes conflicts, land conflicts. Uh, in Indonesia, we worked on, um, on, understand, on building a solution that can give loans to the unbankables. So unbankables are people who normally do not get loans because they don't have a bank account. So how can uh, we use other metrics um, to, to reduce the, the risk uh, of, of them giving the loan? Because banks for now only check their bank statements to give loans. That takes away a lot of people who, who perhaps are eligible to get loans, but never get, we are able to get loans. So what are your goals for growing the organization? What's the next steps that you're working on? So currently we are starting one project a week. My challenge would be, can we scale this up to, let's say, 150 a year? Last year, I was doing, we were doing once in a month or once in two weeks, kind of, uh, we had done. Now we reach from once in a month or once in two weeks to once a week. We're coming to the end of the podcast, Rudradeb. If someone wants to learn more about your organization or join or uh, reach out to you, how would they go about that? I think the best way would be to add me on LinkedIn. So they can search my name in LinkedIn and, and reach out to me via LinkedIn. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me, Derek. Thanks for listening to the Technology Trailblazers podcast. Are you an independent IT consultant or running a small to mid-sized consulting firm? Would you like to share your thoughts on my podcast? Contact me for more information about guest opportunities. My email address is Derek at technologytrailblazers.club. That's D-E-R-E-K at technologytrailblazers.club.